Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, we have the distinct pleasure of hearing from Garance Doré. And I just told Garance before we got on this that when I created the concept, the idea for the Liberty podcast, she was the avatar that I had on my wall in my office. It was, I want to introduce women to people like her. I want people to be excited to hear from people like her. And here we are five <laughs> years later and we get that story. Garance, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nada. And uh, well, thank you for all of this. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. Oh, us too, us too. Why don't we first start, because some of our listeners know you from your various other endeavors, but why don't we start with your newest endeavor? Tell us about Doré. What is it? Doré is a skincare line that we launched in May, and it's um, containing all my philosophy about beauty and what I believe in. And uh, it was prompted by... Emily, who I've been working with for 10, 10 plus years. And she was like, you have it all. Like, we should launch a skincare. And I was like, no, there is too much stuff out there and all that. And then she she showed me. She's like, we can see, like, what's missing on the market. And so we created that. I'm very excited. I'm very happy. But I'm a reluctant business person. I've always been. Um, so that's where I am now. And the brand is very cool. I can show you. I have a few things here. Um, this is the brand and it's very green for those of you who are just listening. And the idea is, uh, to go back to the essentials. I think, uh, you said you we're talking about women over forties. It's interesting. I'm 47. The brand is not just for that age, but I, I, I really remember wanting something simple for my age yeah. because number one, I've always been about essentials even in fashion even when I was this fashion blogger but number two I think it looks like we're pushed so much towards so many ingredients to have a skin that's super natural and I think it creates a lot of damage and so I wanted to bring back to something you know very nourishing very moisturizing which is basically if you look into you know, the the truth of beauty is basically the only thing you can do to your skin without harming it, right? All the other things are great, whether it's lasers, retinols and all that, but they have to be in a very controlled environment. So when I started seeing all these active ingredients, all the the SPF that are put in our our products and all that, I was like, how can my skin just take on all of that? I had sensitive skin at that time and my dermatologist had been like, you just put too much stuff on your skin. It can't take it all. So that's right. that's the that's the idea. And of course, it is also grounded in uh, my inspiration of French pharmacy. 
um, which is where I always go back to basics and uh, I've always, you know, grown in that environment. My mom is a kind of a beauty crazy. She loves it. But I thought it was time to modernize it and to bring something that's really clean. That was one of the other very important uh, pillars of, of Doré. Uh, very safe and uh, sustainable as much as we can. So it was bringing this new outlook on beauty to, um, to the industry. And it comes out in the brand whether it's the cleanness of the website and Liberty listeners will make sure that you have access in the show notes to all of Garance's handles and all of Doré's handles as well and their URL. But you see it in the website, you see it in the packaging. You're somebody who's been around many, many brands. You started talking about fashion. Mm -hmm. This was a major part for you, it seems, that you put a lot of energy into making sure that the brand was representative of the ingredients, that it looks clean, it looks fresh, it looks like yes. it's something in nature. Yes, yes, yes. That, that was the, the idea is to like, I wanted to create classics. It's kind of always been my, you know, I want kind of that idea of home, you know, where mm-hmm. do you come back to when you've tried all the new products and your skin is exhausted and, and you're like, oh, the, the ray is here. And, it, it, and you end up just like people who start using it. Uh, I've heard more and more because, you know, now we have a few months uh, number one, they come back and it becomes their, their number one essential. So it was that idea of, of, uh, of cleaning up a little bit your top shelf. I'm also very lazy with beauty, <laughs> um, like incredibly. And so I don't want to have to use 17 layers. And I do think that even more as I get older, because my skin is becoming more fragile, more sensitive. Yeah. And I have theories about everything. And then I have to call the lab and, you know, the people who work with us and verify them because, um, you know, I've I've always been kind of wary of moisturizers with SPF in them, using that all the time. You know, uh, our skin is not getting used to getting in the sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen a lot of damage in the recent years of hyperpigmentation and that's a theory. I mean, some of the things I know are, are true, but I kind of felt like there must be something because we've, we've never put as much sun protection sure. and I've never seen so much sun damage, you know? So, sure. so there are, there were many questions like that and, uh, and I wanted to answer them. And of course we surrounded with ourselves with, you know, real incredible pros and scientific people and all that and created uh, Doré. But I could talk about it for, for hours. There's just so much to say. I was going to say, it's obvious that you're passionate about it. And what a cool thing to find that passion after. And this leads us nicely into sort of the second thing I wanted to get into. But you went from content to skincare. Yes. And not just going from one thing to another, but sort of leaving it in the height of, I mean, you've been at the height for some time and our listeners who followed you will know that. And you know, when you sort of walked away from fashion blogging, it was the same thing. It was, how is she doing this? Or why is she doing this now when she has so much attention? I mean, by many accounts, you were the original influencer. You were the first fashion blogger. Then you leave again to create this. Tell us just a little bit about your journey. And just to put it in context, Our listeners are people who are thinking about doing something new. They've lived long Mm. enough that perhaps they want to reinvent themselves or maybe they're 
not as satisfied with whatever they were doing. So I want them to hear from you how you sort of reiterated your own self. Of course. It's, I'm just trying to see what angle I could start with because it's basically the theme of my life. Yeah. And so I, I have so many insights. And since you read my newsletter, you, you know how much I think about things like constantly. Um, but I would say that, okay, one thing that defines my multiple reinventions is that I suffer physically, meaning, uh, you know, I will get depressed and all that if I don't live an authentic life. Mm. So I'm not extremely courageous. I knew I couldn't, I mean, I knew I was having a hard time in fashion with fashion weeks for a while. And I waited until basically my body was like, no. And I was had anxiety attacks and all that. So I just mm. want to say that because people can easily think, oh, look at her. She's so free and she doesn't care about money and she could throw everything away and start a new life. It's not true. It was difficult. I knew that, you know, if we're talking about my transition from you know, being at the height of the fashion world and all that, yeah. to like dropping all of that. It was a real recalibration. Uh, there's many things that I lost in the process. I knew it would happen. I didn't know though how and what I would do because you never, you can't make plans when you're gonna, it's like breaking up. You yeah. can't just already be with another guy because everything's gonna be messed up. You have to experience the nothingness, the fear and all that for it to be really potent. I think I'm getting better at it, like feeling when it doesn't smell good and be like, okay, leave before you suffer too much. But with that transition, I didn't do it as clean as it looked on the outside. Mm -hmm. It was full of, of fear and of, you know, oh, what am I going to do? Who's going to care about me? Am I going to lose the people's love? Like, you know, all these questions that are a little bit shameful that you yeah. don't want, you, you know, like, oh, I don't care about all these things, but, but honest, very honest. Yeah. So it, it took a while. And then I was left in the world of nothingness, you know, mm. with nothing. Like, what was I going to do? One thing that is the, how do you call that in English? The, the, the red thread in my mm -hmm. life, or in, mm -hmm. in French, is that I'm a writer and I, I have that spirit. And I, I, I'm, as I'm, and that's something that I think any woman over 40, I'm 47, by the way, so I'm well in my 40s, yeah. <laughs> will, will understand that. The, the fact that I, I'm growing into more of a writer and, and that's the joy of my life. Uh, my, my art is slowly, I'm getting better. I'm expressing myself in a better way. I write in English, which is just me trying to give myself, you know, just difficulties. And that's the joy of my life. And that also means that on everything, I have distance, mm. not maybe right away, but everything is a story. Everything is a, a human experience. And I was always like that, but I had a harder, harder time putting it into words because it took me a while to accept that, you know, yes, I was a photographer. Yes, I was a, you know, super fashion blogger. An illustrator. An illustrator. Yes, I could be an ambassador for brands, which was, you know, yes, giving me a lot of money and a lot of ease and a lot of access and all that. But mainly, I'm a writer. And mm. so that was the difficult thing. Sometimes when you have too many things happening, it's difficult to, you know, isolate what's, you know, the life inside of you. What's the most important? Garance, how old were you when you realized that? How old were you when that 
made sense or solidified in your mind that at the heart of who I am or what I have to offer is writing? It's a long process Mm. and it's still ongoing. So I've had, you know, kind of epiphanies and all that, but it's the same as everything. Nothing is really clean cut. It's funny because, you know, often... I read books or I read interviews and people talk about their aha moment when everybody and everything changed. And I often think those are just storytelling tricks Mm. because it's rarely, and then people come to expect that it's going to happen to them. Oh, one day something's going to shift and I'll be ready, you know, to change my life, to move countries one day and they're waiting. And, and it's funny because that, that, that kind of trope has been cultivated more and more. I was reading a book and it was like, oh, suddenly I was in an accident and then my life changed Everything and I decided changed, it, it's yeah. time. And I think we have to be careful with um, keeping, because I could tell you that I have a story like that. I, I was uh, in, at Fashion Week. I was about to go to the Chloe show. I had my front row seat. I was all dressed up and... My body said, no, I had an anxiety attack. I started crying mm. and I found myself on the floor and the very, who, who was telling that story to somebody? And so there was this moment and I could make it as kind All of about my seminal moment. Right. And it's not, this was, this was a bad moment, but there were many, you know, of these moments before and there will be many after. So it's all really a part of a process. And I think part of maturing is accepting that things are never as clean cut and we don't get this i mean sometimes you can get a a surge of energy and a sort of motivation from something but you lose it at some point and so it has to be really grounded into yourself Mm -hmm. not on exterior elements and all that i so appreciate you saying that for two reasons one and our listeners have heard me say this a lot we can't empower women if we don't tell them the truth We can't empower Mm -hmm. women if we come on here and say, and then somehow I got a million dollars and I was able to start a company. Where did that million dollars come from? Like, how did you have access? What's the background? But the other reason is I love this idea that there is a through line in our life of happy accidents, of pain, of um, things that we were created perhaps to do. And we're finding out what those things are. We're uncovering who we are. And when we are able to hear that. When I hear that from you, and I know when our listeners hear that, then they're not waiting for their aha moment to break. They feel mm-hmm. like they're in a little bit more control of their lives and they can sort of assess things versus this giant thing is going to happen to them and then magically their life will change. So mm-hmm. I so appreciate uh, what you're saying. And I also think it's important for us to hear that it wasn't clean. If we go and read about you, if we listen to old stories that you've shared with people, that it may look like it was, yes, it was difficult, but I knew this was the path for me. It's nice. It's not nice because it's built on some pain that you went through, but it's good for us, important for us to know that those things can be messy. I try to be careful with cliches. Mm. I try to be careful. And I'm not saying some people didn't have that experience and all that. I'm just saying like... Beware, like things are more subtle. Things yeah. take longer and they they happen in, in, you know, it's like with love, you know, you always have this 
uh, thing that everything is focused on the wedding and all this thing and you know these moments where yeah. I, I saw the woman and there but she was and I, <laughs> I, but love is a daily thing yeah. and that's what's interesting and what's difficult and also you know the true love is in the dailiness of it I mean that's even something that I think if we continue to tell those stories then the listener of those stories, in my case, I have a 19-year-old daughter, if she thinks that that's what she's waiting for, she's going to be heartbroken a million times over and waiting for a long time versus understanding that it's an active daily discipline sometimes. And it doesn't even just like automatically gush from the heart. Sometimes it's something Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of, a lot of commitment and focus. Yeah. And starting a brand, for example, like the starting is easy. It's the keeping yeah. going. So, I mean, anyway, all that to say, there are many, many interesting moments. Uh, but overall, it's it's everything is in a sort of, of process. So give us that story. So we know that you leave fashion blogging and then you're doing more and more illustration. Your popularity has created an opportunity for you to be your own content creator. There's iterations of uh, Doré before it was what it is now. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. What was it that you wanted to continue to do? Was was it that it offered you an opportunity to write? Give us that in between fashion blogging and where you are now. I lost myself in social media at some point. Mm. So I used to, I mean, if you follow me for, for a while, yep. I used to write my stories on my blog. And it was never really just about fashion. It was always about life. Mm -hmm. And I have a book that came out a while back now that's called Love Style Life because it was Mm -hmm. about everything. Mm -hmm. And then Instagram arrived (laughs) and I never quite got the hang of it because at the core, it is not really my values. Mm. And whatever, like the world is going to keep going. And I wasn't able to make that tool mine and it became very big. And so at some point I tried to write long texts for Instagram and I got kind of distracted and lost and forgot that, you know, what I love to do is write these kind of long form stories. And so for a while after I stopped blogging, there was also a part of it that was I had become such a known figure that I didn't feel safe. Mm. And as you know, I share a lot of quite intimate uh, points of views mm. and, and, and stories mm. and all that. And there was a part of me that, you know, it's just like I felt very attacked often on Instagram. You know, the world has, had changed and it wasn't as safe as it used to be. Um, my community had grown to a place where I didn't know a lot of people that, well, not that I used to know them, but there was a general vibe that I felt. And and that vibe wasn't there anymore because of social media. Something kind of changed there. And I got lost and I forgot writing. I forgot it. I just like put it on the side. It also, and I don't know how deep you want to go into it, but it also was the moment when I had a depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that was, there was many things like, you know, personal, intimate, and also the, you know, the end of this giant wave that had carried me all the way through my thirties until the beginning of my forties. And during that time, I only wrote my 
my diary, uh, you know, every day and all that. And so it was funny because it's at the beginning of the pandemic that I was like, oh, I, I need to, I need to write. I'm going to start a newsletter. I don't mm -hmm. care. You know, like I'm just going to do that. And I don't want a lot of people to read me because I don't want to recreate the same thing. It's just for me. I just want to write and I want to connect the way I used to in the beginning of the blog. And that's all I want. And so that's how it started. Mm. Again, I, I think I trust my intuition a lot. And that's something that's important. And I think as you get older, you, you learn to ground yourself into these kind of things. The less I premeditate, the better and the more authentic things come out. And so that's what happened with the newsletter, basically. And it seems as though because it's a smaller more intimate group. I mean, when I go on and I see people commenting on certain things and sort of exchanging information, not only are they fans of yours, but they seem to be a certain kind of woman mm -hmm. who you've gathered. And so the safety is not just for you in that community. Oh, yeah. It's in one another. I mean, there's a real... Yes connection mm -hmm. was that an important mm -hmm. piece of this for you like let me get away from social media where it's a bunch of looky-loos let me come to a place that feels like we know each other and we're here for each other yes i wanted to bring back that sense of intimacy and respect mm -hmm. blogs in france started really much earlier than in the u.s and all that and i remember that sense of community of openness and all that because there just wasn't that many people it was very important to me because the, the subtlety that I was telling you about, the, the not going into the cliches and all yeah. that. I remember, I have so much to say now. I'm like, there's so much. <laughs> but like, I remember one day I, I did a post when I wasn't writing and I was lost in that Instagram stuff where I was trying to write. I opened up about my depression. I did one post where I was like, okay, I've been going through things. And as you know, I've always been open, mm -hmm. but when I put it out, it got so much love and so many reactions and so many thank yous that I was like, this can't be healthy. Mm. I'm going to get addicted to this. This is not what I wanted. I don't want to put myself as a spectacle. I don't want mm. to like abuse my pain and make it into something quite commercial, you know, because there was always this thing and I don't want to exploit myself. I'm a storyteller. And I felt this, this is the moment when there was kind of a shift. It's almost like you put yourself naked on the stage and then you realize, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And why <laughs> you know? am I doing it? And why am I doing it? The answer for me is, is easy. It's because I was trying to translate that world I had created before and try to use Instagram mm -hmm. because I was like, well, that's what we have now, right? That's our new way to communicate. Sure. Blogs are done. I'm tired of that format and people just don't have time anymore. Let's try to transcribe that. But it doesn't work on Instagram. What works on Instagram is things that are packaged, uh, that are, you know, there for likes and subtlety doesn't really work. So at that moment, I was like, okay, I think I need to take a step back and not use my pain as a way to be popular because that's not what I had done, but I could see how it could become that and how it could become Madame Depression, you know, or like, to, oh, my new <laughs> yeah. subject is mental health. And I've never wanted, 
labels. I've always thought, oh, that would really help my career if I chose a subject and made it mine, right? right. Okay, maybe it's fashion, maybe it's mental health, maybe those subjects that interest me, maybe wellness, maybe beauty. But the truth is that's my as much my pain as it is the thing that saved me is that I'm a writer who likes to write about all of it. Mm -hmm. And all of it is not easy to package. And so that's the thing that I had to come to terms with. Thank you for saying that because, I mean, thank you because it's your story. So thank you for sharing mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But also one of the beauties as we age is that we get to learn from our past and we get to learn from if we've lived a past that informs us of our future, we get to use it as all these lessons. So perhaps you would not have known that your pain was potentially on display in a commercial way had you not had the experience as the fashion blogger. That wouldn't have been such a parallel. Like you're like, wait a minute, this is feeling somewhat familiar and I need to run from this. Mm -hmm. Because somebody who was doing that for the first time might say, oh my gosh, look at all these people who I'm helping. And this kind of complex could be developing in them that it's not really the subject of mental health that they're so interested in. It's the idea that they're getting all this adulation and all this feedback mm -hmm. and all this love from it. That takes a certain amount of wisdom. I at 25 could not have made the distinction between those two things. Yeah, definitely it does. And I think it's also part of my French personality to be ironic about myself and to be always kind of taking a few steps of distance on that. And also, I literally, like, I told myself, this is not elegant. No. And some people might do that and maybe they do it well, even though... I would be careful with the, the you know, therapy online and, yeah. and all these kind of things. But for me, it was just my destiny kind of knocking at the door and being like, that's not you. Just keep writing, keep talking about the joys and everything and the, the moments. Because, you know, I also felt, and I write sometimes about, I actually just write, was writing a story this morning about, you'll read it on Saturday, about... Yeah my encounter with a young lady at 25 and all the suffering that she kind of, you know, gave me like a package and what I didn't know what to do with it. But one of the things that I really wanted to tell her is that if you start identifying with your pain, that's what you present to the world, how are you going to get rid of it? Because mm -hmm. what are you going to be when it's not there? You know, mm -hmm. am I going to stay depressed for the rest of my life, like with mental health issues? And I'd never identified my depression. I was like, sure. I'm going to fix this and then I'm not going to be depressed. And that's what happened. And so that's the same way, you know, with the street style, with fashion. I was like, well, I'm going through these things, but it, they don't define me. And that's been the difficulty of my career. And also, I think ultimately will be the big present because I yeah. do think that I'm developing into, you know, a true writer and all that. And that's my goal. So before you said it, I was thinking it's going to be the gift of your life mm -hmm. for you to evolve. And somehow, and this is not easy. And I want to, again, be real about that. You've been able to take perhaps not everybody, perhaps not everybody that joined you mm -hmm. in your fashion blogging years is still with you today. But it doesn't matter because no, you yeah. you end up bringing in those people who need 
what you have to mm-hmm. offer and who care about what you have to offer. I also want to shout out Emily here. I don't know her, mm-hmm. but you always weave her into different stories. To have that sort of support on the business side, somebody that can listen to your intuition and try and figure out how to morph it into what's next for the platforms that you're putting forward. That That's not easy to come by. No. I mean, I just imagine the day you said, I don't know how it actually happened, but Emily, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be talking about style. I don't want to be presenting. Oh, do you want me parts. to tell you the story? Yes. Like, was she pulling her hair out? <laughs> no, I think it was, it was an interesting thing because, again, we live in a world where people are launching things all the time, but then you never hear them t- talk about the moments when things die. Yeah. And I think the thread that I was kind of of telling you about of not necessarily identifying with stuff to the point where I'm going to bang my head against the wall when they're over also goes with that. So basically, we grew a media from my blogging days and slowly hired more and more people. We ended up, I think, being 25 at a big studio in New York. Mm. We're working with a lot of brands and slowly built ourselves into people that needed to make money because that's what happened when you grow a, a company. I had started as a blogger where people would call me every day and I would say, no, I don't have the time. I can't work with you. So I had this incredible company that said no to business all the time. But when, when you have a big studio, a lot of, you know, employees and all that, then you need to make money. Sure. And the whole vibe changes because it's not so much about the art and the fun and you know we haven't talked about it but there was also a part of like pushing the boundaries you know inventing new things because there is a lot of things that I kind of came up with you know in my blogging career and that you know I was very recognized for that as being a pioneer and all that and that's thrilling it's it, it was a very exciting time and nothing was really done for money money was just a byproduct of that and then suddenly we had transformed that and that's normal that's called maturity you know company grows but did we love that life of having to talk with advertisers Mm. all the time and start policing what we were saying and doing and and having all these things all this heaviness this heavy business and all that I wouldn't say we really enjoyed it as much we enjoyed it for a little bit because we were so excited the first time we had a studio we were like look at us it's new york we're on broadway it's just like for me i come from a little island in the middle of the mediterranean you know i never thought i would ever in my wildest dreams get to you know to there and emily is a little bit the same so we were just so excited but that was ego and i love ego i don't think ego is bad but you know at some point you're like do I actually like this life? We dragged it for a while. And again, that's not a clean cut because uh, there was me and my career in fashion as kind of an influencer, but also at the same time, the story with the media. And we tried to transform it many times to kind of find a way that would make us be really happy as we had used to be. And we were just suffering. It felt like work. Mm. And that's not something that I like. I don't want to feel like... I know that there are ways to make a living without it feeling like work. I love work, but I don't like when it feels like it. And so one day, I don't remember who had the idea of that. 
But we decided as, a, as friends, like not as business partners or whatever, to go to a silent retreat. Mm-hmm. So it was a time where we were both kind of looking, and I still am, and I think Emily still is, but we're on spiritual paths, you know, both of us in a different way. And this felt like a place where we could meet. So I was like, okay, let's do that. Six days, you know, silent retreat, five or seven hours of meditation every day, sharing wow. a tiny room, and not looking at people in the eyes and not talking for all these days and not reading and not looking at your phone. So no influx of information coming in. And as you are probably starting to see, I'm somebody that can't shut up. So (laughs) it was an awful time for me. I don't think I'll ever do that again unless, you know, something big changes. And trust me, I love silence. Like I just came back from a retreat. Um, I saw that. Uh, hiking. Yes, I yeah, saw that. Yeah, yeah, I just did a hiking With retreat. Heidi Merrick. I saw that she had posted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I love these type of things, but just silence was too much for me. And Emily loved it. She, I could see her. She was like, I was trying to talk with her and she was like, just shut up. <laughs> no, like, don't talk to me. So we do it. And I, I remember very well because at the end of it, we both kind of went our own way because her parents came to pick her up. I had my car. I decided to drive straight to LA, back home. That's when I was living there. Uh-huh. The retreat was in San Francisco. So it was six hour driving. And on my way back, I call her. Oh, what did you think? How was it? Blah, blah, blah. And just naturally came out of me. I was like, I think it's we have to close down. I think we have to finish, you know, Atelier Doré. It's over. And she was like, you're right. I think it's over. And so that was what happened. And so we talked about it. I think we cried a bunch. Yeah. And also we're so relieved. And I think it's very important to talk also about the relief one can feel uh, when one, you know, ends things that are not feeling good anymore. And it was painful because also I think the idea of not, necessarily working with her in the future and Mm. she's been my teammate for so long and all that so there was a lot of pain and that's how we ended so the story is quite beautiful and then we decided because you know we had our team we loved them we didn't want to fire everyone like that so we took the time to you know finish people's contracts give them time to find other jobs blah blah blah. took a a few months and (laughs) And the last month, we were able to sublet our studio, which was a very expensive rent in New York, like prime real estate, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, we can't keep that going. So it was kind of, at this point, kind of a skeleton team. And we're just doing things with like a few freelancers because we were still figuring out how to close. And we had been able to sublet it. And like, I think a month later, the COVID thing broke. And so by that time we realized it had been kind of an oracle that I had sent, sent because the company would never have made it in the format we were at. It would have been a really difficult thing for us because at that moment, all advertisers pulled out yeah. and all these things. And had we been with the 25 people and the rent and all that, I, I think we would have gone under in a terrible way, but we were ready. So it's a, it's also a kind of a a testimony of how it's important to follow your intuition, mm-hmm. to tune in, to sometimes just like get out of things and, and be like, we don't know what we're going to do after. We have no plan. We literally, both of us had no plan 
but we're just not doing that anymore. It's good to hear. I keep saying it's good to hear, and it's built on something that was difficult for you. But what I mean to say is it's um, refreshing for us to hear in your story that you didn't go from closing one thing to having another plan. You, oh, your yeah, intuition no. was, this is over. And mm-hmm. I think for many of us, again, in in hearing stories of women who've had success in whatever medium, mm-hmm. we hear that, oh, when they said goodbye to one thing, when they closed one chapter, very much like you were talking about dating, this other chapter was like ready, it was ready to turn the page. And it's mm-hmm. it's not like that. There is a gap in between of unknowing, of uncertainty, of saying goodbye to something. Yeah. And I think it's very important to live in that. And just to your note about, you know, it comes from my pain. Again, to me, the pain and joy are experiences of life. It's how you feel human. I don't, I don't see them as negative and positive. And of course I appreciate the peace that I am in now and, you know, a lot of things in my life, but I also, it's not that I experience joy in pain, but I experience my human experience because I look at myself also a little bit from the outside. I'm like, oh, I observe a lot. There is this kind of, you know, it's like meditation. Yeah. Uh, and meditation really helps for that because you're like, there is a part of you very grounded in the depth of yourself that is just very peaceful, very, you know, calm and it looks at you when you're crying over your last breakup or something didn't work and it's like oh she's very sad right Mm. now but it's fine you know like the the core of you is is unmoving so i i see these things as kind of the i i'm i'm deep in the sea where nothing moves you know i'm very grounded and on the surface there is things happening storms and all that but all contributes like the weather you know contribute to the joys of life. You need all of those things for a full life, for a life that is full of meaning too, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so two things strike me that I want to call out. One is that you were in a situation where you could listen to your gut and move mm-hmm. the company, shift the company, close the company without being tethered to, I have all this money behind me. I have these investors who I'm beholden to, as far as I know, perhaps there's another story there, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important for people to hear, you know, we've done lovely stories of how things have ended on this podcast. We've done stories of people raising VC money, people taking angel investors and people starting with, you know, a hundred bucks. But I think it's important when we put your story up to some of those other ones, that what we hear is the freedom you had to make that decision as painful as it was without the sort of the rope to hang yourself with on the financial end. And that I think it's it's an important one for people to hear. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you should not have investors if you need to have investors. Every company is different. Every story is different. But I think it's worth noting that that was something that you and Emily could give yourself freedom from. Absolutely. With Doré, it's a different story. We yes. do have investors and and all that. So you would you could say it's the maturity yeah. one, you know, where you have to be very responsible. Yeah. I just want people to hear that piece of it because often they think that's what I need to do. I just automatically need to to have those investors. The other thing I think I wanted to talk about is just to have you sort of walk us through the process of going from that going from we don't know what's next, 
mourning the loss of Emily as a teammate. And then somehow Dore now exists. Tell us about that. I think the step where I started finding my writing again came first. Mm -hmm. My newsletter came first. That's my joy and the outlet of my emotions and my way of being with the world. I have this kind of breath always, and I'll always keep doing it one way or another. And so that gives me... An outlet? It's an outlet, but it's also... I never feel desperate. Mm. It's not so much about money. It's just about that is something that I have. And I don't know how to say that. But So when we started thinking of doing the brand, I've been working with brands for years and I've seen all the backstage and I don't think as an artist that's something that was of a lot of interest to me. Uh, I'm not excited. I love money and I love luxury and don't take the wrong way. I think those things are great. I love traveling and and all the rest of it, but it's not a deep driver for me. Mm -hmm. I would say If I was very honest with you, I think I'm more attached to being loved and seen Mm -hmm. than like, so there is more a part of me that's more a bit narcissistic than a part that's, you know, attached to money or things like that. So I knew that this was not enough of a motivator for making a brand. I had to find something else. Building businesses is Emily's thing. She's a builder. She's very, very ambitious in a great way. As you saw, because I explained to you the story, it's again, for her, it's something really strong and authentic inside of her. So we really had to talk. I was like, look, I I don't want to spend my time talking with investors. I know how draining this is. I've taken steps in my life because that's something we haven't talked about. But and that's the thing, right? When you talk with a woman that's 47, she has just so much to say. I know. <laughs> we have to have a, a part two. <laughs> I know. I have so much to say, but um, I've built my new life around not having anxiety attacks and all that. So all the things that I had before, I just, I was like, okay, I can't travel like that anymore. Mm. I can't have to be in front of people that I don't connect with, like what was happening at fashion week, you Mm -hmm. know, I can't push myself to be something that I'm not. So the dressing up, I I love dressing up, but once in a while, I can't be my job, having my photo taken, like these kind of things have to be very controlled or else it gets out of, out of sync with me. Yeah. And it's depleting. It's depleting. I'm kind of a, an extrovert, introvert or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I had taken steps to be like, okay, Calm down. It took a while, but all these things. So when Emily told me about the brand, I was like, oh, what is it going to create in my life? Am I going to get back to anything Mm -hmm. that's going to be in my red zone of like, you know, creating too much stress? I didn't want that. And that's a conscious choice. I'm with a very lovely man now who is extremely busy constantly. And I always uh, call him out on making his life a sandwich. You know, he just piles on things and piles on things. And he's like, I can do it. I can do those (laughs) things. Oh, yeah, I can fly to. I think he left this morning and he's going to Edinburgh and then Stockholm. I'm like, I would never do that. I used to do that. I can't. Like my body just gives up. So it was very important to me. And now everything in my life goes through that filter. I was uh, just um, just giving you some funny examples. I was just looking at a house because I 
you know, I come from Corsica. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. My family is there. I adore them. And I kind of think, you know, maybe I should have a second home there. You know, it was the beginning of thinking of things like that. And there was this house and I was like, oh, it's so dreamy and all that. And then I tried to do projecting myself, which I think people should always do if they can. Like, okay, so we have this house in Corsica. We barely have time to be home together here in London. How are we going to go there? How long does it take to go there? Is it going to add to my life sandwich? Yeah. You know, where I'm like, oh, now I'm guilty because I can't go to the house that, you know, I just bought. I, I barely have decorated my house in London. So so now I really project in the future and I try to see, is this really working or is it just, you know, piling on more stuff that looked like they can be great, but actually are going to make me a mess and I can become a mess very easily. I'm very careful with that, with the mental health part of, you know, having space in my life and uh, spaciousness. So that was the thing. And we talked a lot with Emily and we put, put a lot of boundaries of, as to what I would do, what she would do, what were our values. We have very strong values, you know, ingrained in that brand so that we could stay healthy mm. as we were making it happen. You know, that comes out in brands. You can almost tell when a brand has taken on a more corporate culture. It loses its soul. Mm -hmm. And conversely, you can tell when a brand is authentic and it's related to the people who created it. And people will all often find like, oh, that that's not the founder who's running the brand anymore. You can tell it yeah. doesn't have the same vibe. Mm -hmm. But I like this idea of, and we did a, a podcast, I don't know, maybe five or so podcasts ago, and the woman talked about, she was trying to get to a feeling. She said, I was trying to create a feeling in my life that I hadn't had. And that's sort of what I hear you saying. I was trying to create something that was a healthy space for me that didn't, mm -hmm. you know, step into the red zone, as you put it. Mm -hmm. And then you can imagine what those outcomes could be. What are the possibilities within these boundaries? I always talk about the sandbox, like, here's my sandbox these very clear boundaries. I want to play in here. And I think when we think about that relative to our life and what we need from our life and what what inspires us and what moves us and what motivates us and what's a danger to us, whether it's a danger to our ego or a danger mm -hmm. to kind of our soul, like it takes the life out of us and reverse engineer the steps to ultimately land yeah. on, it's a beauty product. That's what we want to put out. Exactly. So I appreciate that you're telling us the story in reverse, like sort of like, here's mm -hmm. how we came to this. So you and Emily come to this at the same time, you know, she presents this like, well, what if it looks like this? And you say, yes, that's what I've been looking for. Yeah. Well, Emily, as this ability, that's one of her talents. She can see things, you know, in, in me that, you know, I, I don't even see myself, you know. And, and she saw that brand taking all, because she knows exactly what I love about beauty, what I don't, you know, the, my laziness, all my principles, all, all my ideas that I was telling you at the beginning of the podcast, yeah. all these theories, all these things my intuitions and she took them and kind of put them into a product and then in the beginning I was like oh, I'm, I'm not sure this is and then she she, she kind of told me about it I was like oh yeah it already exists Doré or like the brand already exists it's just in our brain and we have to make it a reality but it's there and so it was very simple after that the first thing was just 
do I want to get into a business or do I want to follow my artistic career? And mm -hmm. that was a big decision for me because as you can see, like, you know, I am somebody of two minds. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had to decide that. But when I made the decision, I was very, I'm very happy now that I, because I have, I have both. And also I see life as a very long unfolding thing. And that's also one of the gifts of, I suppose, business as much as writing is those are things that get better as you age mm -hmm. and as you gather experience mm -hmm. and all that so you don't live in fear to lose it i appreciate that that fear that you're talking about is somewhat alleviated because you created an outlet that satisfied something so deep inside of you and something mm -hmm. you feel that you were created to do it's like the vocation avocation thing you separated that from this business opportunity that mm -hmm. the brand could sort of feed into. And you didn't try and create one space, one place that holds all of the things that Garance needs. Yeah, true. And I think that's a mistake that so many of us do. I'm very guilty of that. I was a consultant for small businesses, mm -hmm. for women-owned businesses for many, many years. And I wanted to do that, but I wanted to pretend that I was Oprah too. So I wanted to, you know, have the podcast and... I've wanted to pretend that I was yeah, Oprah I think times, we all so. have at some point. Yeah and, yeah. and so it was like, I was trying to do all these things and I was the one paying the price at the end. And it wasn't until for, for me, you know, this year when I said, no, I just want to focus on creating the Liberty Road brand. I want to get rid of the consulting and I want to focus on you know, women over 40. It took a long time for me to get to that point. Had I separated and had various outlets for what I need versus what I want, I think I would have been in better shoes. I should have had this conversation with you a long time ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I would also have told you that it's uh, it's difficult because there is always a struggle between yes. one thing and the other. You know, it's pulling. You're like, I'm taking time. You know, I, I mean, as a writer, I, I need, again, like a lot of spaciousness. And a business is a very different yes. kind of timing. So it's, it's, a, it's good because I'm not, and one day, trust me, I'll be the writer in a little cabin, you know, that has a very simple life yeah. and all that. Cause that's, I can feel this for sure. Yeah. Like the, the joy that I would feel, but it was a bit too early yeah. to separate myself completely from the world. So I'm enjoying this stress, but it's a, it's a healthy stress between the two sides of my career. It's invigorating stress. I think that there's yeah, a difference. Yeah, exactly. Like both kind of, you know, feed different monsters inside of me. Yeah. So it's very nice. Yeah. And again, important for our listeners to hear. And you have a partner in one of these yes. things that is able to yeah. do the things that you are not, that you're able to, Absolutely. to have that. I just want people to always walk away with more tools than when they came. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, Garance, that specifically Doré has taught you about yourself? It's funny. It's small things, okay? It's, it's like small things that I think are important for the brand. I used to really be in the nitty-gritty of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on Photoshop creating graphics and, and all the rest mm -hmm. of it, and I thought I would be able to be the same with the branding of Doré, but I've changed. So I think what I've learned is one of them is that I don't identify so much with um, how people see me. So it doesn't hold so much pressure on me. Mm -hmm. So it's more like things like that that I've learned that, you know, um, my 30s and my 40s, it's two different women. Like, you know, yeah. the same 
soul and the same spirit, but you know, with different needs and recognizing that is, is very important. But I've always been like that. I mean, the impact that my creations, whether it's a, you know, text or a beauty product or whatever, is very important, but I, I don't really identify with it. Mm. I try to make the best thing that I can as long as I completely fully believe in it. And that is great. I have no problem. I don't look, you know, do, do people like it? I just wait for the feedback to come to me. And of course, Emily does all the thing of looking at our sales every day. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if my role could stop at just making sure I'm doing this, it's the same with the text. And actually, I don't think we'll have the time to talk about that, but I'm actually with my newsletter, with that side of my, my life. I've been a terrible promoter. I just told people like a, a few years ago, hey, doing that, yeah. wanna come? I never talk about it. It's crazy. And so I'm gonna change that because I think, you know, it's important to value that side. And, you know, I wanna publish a book with the, the newsletters and all that. But yeah, it's because it all comes from the same thing where I'm like, I just do the best I can. And then it just has to be able to exist, you know, and thank God there's Emily for the brand because you need to push these things further sure. than just making great products. Uh, and I, and I should do that also with the, with the newsletter. You should. And when you do, and when you compile this into a book, will you please come back on the podcast and talk about it? Oh yeah, I would love it's that. It's so it's, fun it's, talking are, to this you. This is what I live for. I yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. Because this is for women over forty. Because we want to inspire women to hear these stories and then kind of go back and figure out what's their story. What have mm -hmm. I learned from this conversation with Garance about her brand Doré, but just about her life? Because you've given us so much life wisdom here. One of the things that cycles back in women's minds at this age is it's too late. Hmm. What would you like to say to her? Oh, I just, uh, that's very obvious to me that it's just the beginning. And I'm not saying that as a formula or whatever. It's like the, the early, uh, late 40s to me. I mean, I'm 47, as I said, like early 50s. Is when, you know, you're going to go through a new menopause, to a new teenage years, you know, yeah. with your menopause and all <laughs> those kind of things. Going through it at 54. You're going through going it. Through yeah, it. I think yeah. it's the beginning for me too. Life is like these long cycles of endings and beginnings. And I, I don't think it's a linear thing that's, mm. that has a start like that and then, and then ends. And it's almost like I can't even answer that question because to me, it, no, <laughs> right. no, this is just the beginning. It's not the end. It's the moment I think when we're the smartest, the most powerful, the world is really our oyster. Um, I just, there is a space that's just opening up so wide also now because women don't shut up after 50 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like out there wanting to do things. But to be honest, my mom started being a therapist at 53. I love it. So yes, she, and she, oh. she had a lot of success and all that. And, and now she's still doing it, but she's also doing other things. She's, she's a young woman. She's 67. And I was like, maybe I'll do the same, actually, because I'm very interested in therapy. And uh, and so uh, I think these, these things just, you know, keep starting. And we live in an age where reinvention is, is part of our narrative. Absolutely. It's not what, it, you know, 30 years ago, it was you had one job and you stayed mm -hmm. there for your career and then it was over. And I also, you know, we, we won't be able to talk about that, but I also really believe in 
longevity, health and wellness mm -hmm. and all that to support that. And I think that's a very important part. I don't, I think we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to age old, you know, we're going yep. to age powerful and vibrant and all that. Agreed. So I also believe in the value of work and of doing something of your life, whether it's to help others or to, you know, hone in onto your, your talent or your art or whatever you do, like just uh, holding on to that. I, I don't ever want to stop working. Yeah. Uh, as I told you, I can, I can make it different. I can make it easier. I can make it less stressful because I, I believe that's one of the secrets of, of longevity. So 100%. Uh, that's why I have many, yes. I have many chapters already kind of, you know, piled up. I was like with the house in Corsica, I was like, Ha, huh, maybe when I'm bored of everything, I'll just do a little <laughs> hotel there. Perfect. That would be really great. I'll come. These listeners will come. My family's from Egypt, so I can just kind of on my way back to Egypt. Ooh, I can come through I Corsica. Want to go to Egypt. I know. I'll take you. Please. Happily. Please. Yeah, I just, I just never had th that fear. It's not inside of me. And so that's great. That's a gift when there is a fear you just, you just really don't have. And my, my only mission is to stay as healthy as possible so I can make all the things that I want happen. Amen. Amen to staying healthy. So before we wrap up this uh, lovely conversation, what a gift you've been. We have something called our Fast Five. So I'm just going to ask you five quick questions. What's a favorite hack or practice, something that you do that you want every listener over 40 to do? Just diary writing every day, you know, whatever you're saying, or even just doing a vocal note. Uh, the idea behind that is to have distance with everything that you're leaving, mm. is to create this, you know, this breath between and seeing your life as an adventure, you know, has highs and lows and quests and all these things. So that would be, and even before 40, I mean, start as early as you can. I'm going to go back to the more commercial side of things because we have to know what is something in the lineup of Dore products that is your favorite? This is like your go-to. If there's one thing we could buy, this is the one. It's the moisturizer. I mean, to me, a moisturizer is everything you need. You know, yeah. uh, for me, that's the number one. And that's, I think it's become our bestseller. Like people are coming back to, to buy it. And I'm not surprised. It's a very exceptional uh, product. And even though I said this is our fast five, I'm going to quick caveat here and not be so fast. But something that's really interesting about uh, your brand is that you guys have a membership to product. So mm -hmm. this is not sponsored. Garance didn't ask me to say this. It's just no. something I want to point out that it's an interesting way of going about the brand is mm -hmm. to invite yeah. people into a longer term relationship with the brand. Yes, of course. Well, that's the, that's the goal with the brand is to be your best friend, yeah. you know, forever. Yes, please. And then what's one piece of advice for any woman who's starting a product-based venture right now? What's one piece of advice you'd like to impart her with? I think what I would say, because product is such a vague thing, mm -hmm. is that just think of a year from now, two years from now, the kind of exercise I was saying, project yourself. Mm. I remember when I used to work in fashion, I would be in contact with all these young creators and they launched a beauty brand but they had one idea you know mm. they had one collection and and then they didn't have any more ideas and everybody has as this, that's what they say right everybody has a book inside of them sure. i think everybody has a product inside sure. of them launching a brand means multiple things multiple products multiple stories to tell and so is that idea of 
thinking of what's next, not just the launch. What are you going to do later? What's your vision for the future? And how many things can you envision? I think it's key as somebody who's worked with so many brands in the past that the distinction between the product and the brand is that the brand is a relationship. And so mm -hmm. in order to have this ongoing relationship with the consumer, you have to be constantly yeah. disciplined about feeding mm -hmm. into that relationship. And that a brand is, we've said it here before, it's not just a logo. It's not just your colors. It's so much more than that. And it's interesting that you're saying it's, you know, what are the other products that we're going to come up with? What are the other mm -hmm. things we're going to do to satisfy this relationship with our user? And that's all clearly something that has also come from your your past as somebody who's brought community together and who's listened very carefully yeah. to what that community has to say. Okay, I'm going to get us back on track. If you were mentoring your younger self, so a 25-year-old Garance, what do you want her to know about midlife? What would you tell her to alleviate her fears about growing older? There are many things I could tell her, but at the same time, I would be robbing her of all the experiences and the pain and all that, that she needs to feel to be, you know, there's nothing good comes out of just having a, a life of just joy and ease. So I can see now that all the things I went through are rich, you know, and they bring me something. So I would be hands off. What could I say? I would tell her to keep writing her diary. Yes, keep you writing know, it's just her the diary. same thing. Just cultivate that sane distance with yourself. So then you can say to yourself, ah, I'm a bit of a narcissist. How can I manage that? Ah, there is the seed of a great writer in me and I should pursue that. Because you have this little distance where you can be at the same time critical with yourself and at the same time appreciative of your talents, admirative of what you have. We all have things that we don't really like about ourselves. We don't need to hide them to ourselves. That's the thing that I would give as an advice. Keep that diary and then try to see your life as a beautiful adventure that each age, you know, will bring its own lessons and its own pleasures and that there is nothing to regret, you know, just to keep going and explore that. And that's what I do. And that's why my writing is such a, an important thing because I can also share. It's been a wonderful companion of my life. Yeah. And obviously it's created space for you to be able to objectively see yourself, but also something you continue to say or something that you continue to remind me of as you talk about the way you treat yourself in these moments, whether it's your ego or identifying that, oh, there's a little narcissist in there. There's so much grace for yourself. Well, I think that anybody that's been in front of the camera for so long and that, you yeah. know, if you don't see these things, you dehumanize yourself mm. and then you let yourself judge others, you know, and and I think we all have these things. And it's it's not it's not good, I mean, in my opinion. The bad people are not just others, it's it's in all of sure. us. There's the the objectivity is endearing. I love it. <laughs> and the last thing, of course, this podcast is called Liberty Road. So naturally we are asking women, what is it that this venture, and I would say in your case, all of your ventures, Doré, from, from current to going back to your early blogging years. What have these kind of career decisions, uh, these choices, the outcome of all of this work, what has it done to liberate you? And they've probably each liberated you in a different way. 
Yeah, that's such a good question. I was raised with a feminist mom and everything was about independence and freedom. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there is one thing that I can point to. I just know that as I get to know myself, I have less fear. Mm -hmm. And that's the gift of going through all these things is to cultivate that sense of having no fear. So, you know, you go through poverty and then you're less scared of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh, because I used to, before I started my blog, we didn't talk about that, but like I was really broke for a long time. I think it's just that that sense of, you know, conquering one's fear um, is the beginning and I think the end of liberation. And so I think in this sense, all these experiences, but also a, a certain sense of spirituality really helps. Um, and that's been my journey anyway. So for me, it's been about that and definitely a, a great theme in my life. As you know, I don't have children. It's an interesting thing that we haven't talked about, but maybe for part two of the yes. podcast. There's because... a part two because I think 10 times at <laughs> least you've said, I haven't had time to talk about this or we could talk yeah. about this more. So please, please come back and we can check in on how Doré's doing. You'll be months in, years in at that point. Mm -hmm. We can check in on your writing and the book. Sure. And we can talk about some of these things that you've actually very openly talked about. Children, dating. There's lots of things mm -hmm. that you have shared with your community and would love for you to come back and share with ours. Garance, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. That was my pleasure. Oh, absolute pleasure for us. And listeners, again, we'll have everything you need to know about Garance and how to get a hold of her. We'll post something about the newsletter. So we'll promote it since you haven't oh, been doing a good job of promoting it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And also links to the brand so you can go out and get that awesome moisturizer that we've been hearing about. Thank you. It's really great. I, I can You're tell. You're very welcome. That I was a tell. pleasure. I knew it, I knew it was going to be a pleasure. Oh. But it was even more. I'm so uh, glad. I'm so, so thank glad. you for your beautiful questions and for supporting, you know, women in, on their journey. And uh, I think that's necessary. So thank you very much. Thank you, Garance. And Liberty listeners, thank you guys for listening and um, sharing this moment and this time with Garance and with me. Have a great day. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.